Howdy, and welcome to episode 18 of season 2 of the FPL Jingle with me, Owen Kanhidi. I'll be hosting it with Stephen Meiselbach this time. How are you, Steve? This time? What's that supposed to mean? Oh, yeah, uh, the other show with the other guys I do. Um, <laughs> the other guys? What else. other guys? Uh, the ones from the movie, the cops. No, they're <laughs> the ones from <laughs> uh, The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. That was Let's Be Cops. I'm talking about no, Will No, that was Farrell. the other guys. Ah, was it? Was Will they Farrell were the ones... and your man? Yeah, <laughs> aim for the bushes. Ah, yeah. Well, they were still cops. Yeah. You think of what I'm thinking, partner? Aim for the bushes. Yeah. Anyway, this has been a tangent as a as an opening hello. Uh how are you on? How's things? I'm fantastic, Steve. I'm so I've been loading like the top of a bed with all the things I want to bring to Asia with me. And it's amazing the amount of electronics you can convince yourself that you'll use in like a six or seven month period. Like I've got mm. a, the switch and a like twenty milliamp twenty thousand milliamp, what you call it, power bank and and I've no clothes, but the, but the bag is full. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, are you going to use the Switch, like, really, though? No. No, but I will bring it. <laughs> but I'll bring it anyway. Yeah. And I'll do it again. Yeah, like, I don't know how. I, I always convince myself, oh, well, in different circumstances, I should probably bring that in case I want to use it. But yeah. generally, the things you use all the time are the things you use all the time. So I don't know why the fucking go on and Yeah, I don't. It. I yeah, I've been in that similar scenario where I've been going on a trip. I'm like, do I need to bring the switch with me? And I I just never, I never do because I never use it. Um, so yeah, that's uh, it'll be interesting to see how you get on um over there and uh, how this uh, podcast goes, given the time differences and uh, all the stuff, all the traveling traveling you'll be doing. So we'll we'll uh, we'll have to see how it goes. It's not one we can really predict at the moment. Yeah, well, at least I can give bring um, updates from the Indonesian Super League. I presume that's what it's called. Uh, <laughs> I'll sort you out with, in terms of that. But yeah, I'll be eight hours ahead. Do uh, you'd be you'd be rekindling my um, my really bad betting habits of when yeah. I used to bet on like <laughs> when I used to bet on Asian football. Uh, I never I've never sweated more in my life than when I was betting on over point five goals in the first half of an Iranian football league game. That's when I knew I had to kind of rein it back in a bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I once bet on like the Icelandic under twenty one ladies, um, they lost like ten one or something ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, you, yeah, yeah. Uh, you probably did it as a joke. I was very much not joking at the time, yeah. which makes it even more sad. But anyway, speaking of sad, uh, our scores this week on uh, not great, not bad, but. Well, yours is kind of just above, hovering above the average. You are a factory of sadness! Well, mine was intentional. I like the number 43. That's why it's here. <laughs> I hope none of my players score any more points. Yeah. Um, it was a big disappointment. Um, but... <laughs> I, <laughs> I, <laughs> what's kind of nice is... I feel I can improve. I feel like there's obvious things I can do. I mean, mm. so like I don't have Saka or Odegaard, I have Martinelli, and I think I can optimize that situation. Um, yeah. I have kind of want to get Rashford again, even with the price rises. He's, I think he's good value. 
Uh, I had Tony on my bench for nine points. He's certainly a starter next week, despite whatever he was an orange. Uh, I'd give you a pass on that one because yeah. I think, it, like, unless you were paying attention to the press conferences, you probably thought he wasn't going to play. Although Frank in the pre-match said that he was fit and he would start. Fuck Frank. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, no, 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 not, not not Frank Lampard. Thomas Frank. We'll get on to that other one. Mm, fuck Thomas. Yeah, yeah, and and then I have I have Walker and Malasia. Like Malasia just came in last week for the double game week. Maybe he'll be okay. We're kind of discussing Man United defenders later, but maybe mm. Walker's one who could go. So, I mean, it is a low score, but it's not one that really frustrates me because it's not like I can say, "Oh fuck!" I had all these class players who didn't score. Fuck all. I, I think I, I can clearly see things I need to do. But you're fifty-one, Steve. Are you happy? Um. I'm okay. I have Wendy, or not Wendy, sorry, you know when Bueno. You have to say you're my... okay, but you're not okay. You know, you walk out the door, you see someone that you know, and they ask you how you are, and you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it because they would never understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do I have Bueno on my bench first sub for six, and then I have Ben White third sub on my bench for eight, so I could be better than I am at the moment, but I went for the doublers, so I picked up Varane. Um, because Dallow was injured and obviously he only got the two points. I had Walker who only got the one point. But like, you know, uh, like you're kind of alluding to before, I have Rashford, I have Saka, I had Trippier, I had Kepa. So those are my main scores. Um, De Bruyne obviously got an assist. Or did he get an assist? He did, yeah. Uh, yeah, he did for the Grealish goal. And um, so, and I, again, I have the doubles like Kane's playing Haaland, De Bruyne, Walker, Rashford, Varane. So, um, it, the score will go up. How much it'll go up by is very much in anyone's guess. Uh, but I'd be interested to see what the score is at the final end of the week, given the amount of people that triple captained Haaland. I think it was over half a million. Ooh. So, they'd be hoping for him to do something against Spurs. Otherwise, it's looking like one of those... Uh, very very bad calculations i was totally triple captaining helen this week you know I, well, I was i was him and Han and i was going to do it and eventually the deadline passed without me thinking about it again i, I was meant to kind of sit down and have another proper think and then before the man united game i was absolutely gutted i just looked at the sides and i was like fuck it helen is going to rip these guys to shreds um yeah well now Seems <laughs> seems I might be better off not having got the chance to go look again. But, uh, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, Owen, because I think in that game that we might just talk start talking about now, just because it seems like a natural progression. I think he only had nineteen touches in the game. I was uh, whereas I think the average yeah. the average city player averages I think about between like I think fifty and seventy. So just shows you like the style of play that Pep wants to do wherever and gets a touch and you kind of pass and move it feels like they're doing that with one less player and you could see Haaland was trying to drop deep at some stages to try and like link up play a bit and try and kind of get involved and get a touch of the ball but I think where he, what he's best at is, is kind of like using that raw pace and running in behind but I just think City were, were so nervous that they didn't want to, to play the ball for fear of being countered um, um, obviously, Steve, the, Steve, the first you're you're not going to be one of these proponents of City play better without Haaland, are you? No, no, I'm not going to go that far. I've heard people make the the argument, and I just I don't agree with it. 
Like, I don't think how you can... Like, what's he's already over 20 goals this season. And so, like, I don't think you can argue with that. Um, uh, yeah, it's, I, I just think that they're they're going through a bit of a funk at the moment. I think Gundogan summed it up after the loss to Southampton in the um, EFL Cup that there's just something not right at the moment and they, they can't quite put their finger on it. And I suppose that's what's given the Ar- Arsenal um, the, the in at the moment and allowing them to extend the gap to eight points because of this loss where... I have to say, oh, and that that first goal from Rashford, or sorry, from Bruno, and is an absolute joke. And the reason I say Rashford is because Rashford was the one who, who clearly is offside and shielding the ball and impacting uh, Ederson and Akanji's and all the City defenders' um, thinking. Uh, what what are your thoughts? Uh, th- what I'm surprised about is is the lack of response. I I don't think the FA uh, made a remark about it. Uh, cl- like it's clearly an offside. I don't think there's any argument. That can be made that it wasn't. Um, I but I am surprised that there's been no like. You would think there'd be an apology or something of to that extent. I, I remember last season. I think an Everton goal. They they pub they made an apology about. Um, it, it's wrong. Like the the uh, categorically yeah. and. Howard Webb is the chief uh, ref or the head of the refs association and he made a statement um, after the restart that he would be more clear and be more uh, more communicative of these types of decisions but I maybe I missed it I don't know uh, entirely possible but I haven't heard anything from them uh, about it and it might be one of those things that they just do later down the line in a press release where they have like four or five instances and say ah yeah we got this wrong or we got that wrong or this should have been done and it's far too late and everyone's kind of moved on but um yeah i I might have a look after this but yeah i mean then you know the second goal then is just is just man city trying to go for the winner and then getting hit on the counter again garnacho with a nice cross in and Rashford with the winner. And United, you have to say, only nine points off Arsenal now, are poten- and the way they're going, are potentially in the title race. Well, if Arsenal are below evens to go and win it, the bookies have them on. Um, basically, a, a dip in form at this stage is, is, is almost not enough for Arsenal not to win. The wheels have to fall off, I would say. Which um, Do you think because... impossible. L- eight- in the eighteen nineteen season, Liverpool at this stage were seven points ahead of Man City, and City went on to win the title. So it's not completely unheard of in in even recent times of this happening. Like I would still, at the odds that Man City are at, I'd be back in Man City, and I'm an Arsenal fan. Um, I just don't know. Like it, it like the, the the it feels like every game is a massive game. Like the game at the weekend against Spurs in White Hart Lane, where we hadn't won since twenty thirteen, felt like a massive game. And now this game against United at home feels like a massive game. Like every game just feels massive, and I just wonder how they can continue to try and perform when it just feels like the pressure is getting more and more heaped on every time, and everyone's like looking for them to stumble. But like having said that, this is the youngest side in the league, and they just went and made an absolute show of Spurs. Like dominated them completely in the first half, bypassed Spurs' midfield completely, got a two-goal lead, and then obviously Spurs always come out better in the second half, and then they completely weathered that 15-minute storm from the 45th to the 60th minute, and then it looked 
plain sailing after that really Spurs were getting a bit of joy with Kulazewski down the right and that was about it Son looked anonymous and the rest of the team just looked lost and I don't think Conte had any way of getting them back into that game really other than that I thought Spurs were good (laughs) what sorry (laughs) other than that I thought Spurs were good Uh, yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly Uh, (laughs) other than all the bad stuff they were good yeah um, um, I suppose I'll, I'll, I'll quickly backtrack to. I think it's it's interesting to discuss our Arsenal title favourites. You know, uh, on down on paper they are, I'll, but I I would um, I would put a bit of weight behind the statement you were making in terms of pressure. I you it is the youngest team in the league, and I it's very believable that they could totally shit the bed, um, given two or three bad fixtures. Now, in fairness, even after the Jesus injury, they're still going well. Like Henketia was in form. Hopefully, he keeps it up. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. And then, yeah, uh, look, the game against Spurs was kind of just as you were. Like it was, um, uh, given the last twenty games, it was just what you expected from Arsenal. Uh, Spurs in bad form had no answer, even with a close to fully fit team. So, yeah, Conte had no hope there. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm be interesting to see what happens with Spurs now they're are, are the fans yeah. even annoyed at the moment or is this just you know fine they, they they are but I feel like they don't know who to be annoyed at because like they've got Conte in who they know is a top class manager and they've got Kane I feel like the frustration is probably at some other recruitment and probably at Dan Levy because it feels like he's the easy scapegoat at the moment um I don't think I could, I don't feel confident enough to comment much further than that. But I mean, if you look at Spurs last season, this fixture, they embarrass Arsenal, uh, beat them and then beat them to the top four and get Champions League football. And now we're almost at the same point a season later and Arsenal have beaten them 2-0 comprehensively and are eight points clear in the title. And you were kind of wondering, well, what, (laughs) what happened between then and now? And I think it's just Arsenal's recruitment process being a bit better and just a bit more continuity with the with the team. Um, I, I just think Conte is just so reliant on the wing backs to create any sort of width. They don't have anything going through the middle. Like they just don't have it. They don't, they the way that they the set up, fielders. it's it's Hoy, it's well, it's Hoyberg and either Basuma or Bentoncourt who they desperately miss. Uh, but but even at even at that, he he doesn't. He doesn't carry the ball through the middle and provide that number kind of 10 or 8 kind of threat. So you kind of know where it's going to go. It's just a case of trying to stop it. And and a lot of the times they aren't successful. And that's how Spurs are kind of up around the top four. But, you know, with them now and Liverpool and Chelsea all kind of, I would say, are fighting for fourth place. It's it's just crazy to think at the start of the season, this is where we'd be and that Newcastle would be where they are. Newcastle are the biggest shock of the season. Yeah, the crazy run. What is it? Is is, is it seven, seven or nine something of the games undefeated? It's like their best run in, in their yeah. history, which is something to behold uh, in crazy form. We might uh, discuss the Newcastle game. They did beat Fulham one nil uh, later on in the yeah. podcast. We'll just finish up um, this week in fantasy football land. Maybe first of all, discussing our bankers from this week. See how they're getting on. Yeah, so we had Haaland in the double game week, which obviously hasn't gone great so far. But obviously, we're recording this before the Spurs game, so he could potentially do mm. something there. He'd probably fancy him too, given that poor Spurs defense. Uh, we had Kane, who obviously loves a goal against Arsenal, but was kept very quiet in that game. I think he might have 
Jeez, did he have even one clear-cut chance? I don't feel... I don't know how it comes to mind anyway. I could be wrong, though. And we had Rashford, who obviously had the winner against City and uh, is playing Palace tonight, where you'd fancy him to start and probably do something. Palace are in a very poor run of form at the moment, uh, having just lost to at Stamford Bridge as well. Uh, our outside picks, I went for Callum Wilson, who got the assist for the Isaac winner in the game you just mentioned, Owen, against Fulham. Yep. And you, own in a... In a a very uh, surprising turn of events got a, a winner in this for Damari Gray getting an assist in uh, Everton's goal in their inevitable 2-1 loss to Southampton. So fair play for that one. Yeah, um, I think I'll just pick Damari Gray from now on and that's that's probably what's going to work. Just lock him in. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> our two striker picks actually go ahead and get a return. Um, but they're playing against each other, so maybe not. Um, so the bankers went that week so I think that's about time to take a break Steve when we come back we'll have a quick look at the rest of the fixtures that remain in game week 20 and we'll talk about the future and more bankers and questions and all the usual fun are you okay with that Steve I am absolutely fine with that break time tonight Crystal Palace face Man United in on their home turf. And then tomorrow at 8 in the Etihad, the Spurs will show up and actually play a very interesting fixture. I'd normally be inclined to say they were going to get trounced. But um, yeah, it'll be an excellent test for Man City during their poor run of form. They'll, they'll be disappointed if they lose, but uh, it's not a gimme. Yeah, no, I think they... With the context of Arsenal being eight points clear and uh, having just lost two games in a row, I think they're desperate for a result here, really. Yeah, I'm, especially with Arsenal playing United at home. I know that is very possibly a banana skin for them, but like Arsenal would probably be the favourites for that game. So you got to be thinking Spurs, or not Spurs, City have to get something from this and try and pick themselves up off the mat. I know Kev, uh, is all the news is pointing towards him being fit. Uh, he'll need also to return to form uh, because yeah, whatever one assist in in it, five game four games. Yeah, now. it's it's just funny that we say that and he got an assist in the last game. <laughs> so it's not like he hasn't done anything recently. Like it just it's just the the, the team overall. Yeah, yeah, and and I won't boil City down to when Kev plays well, they play well. But kind of kind of has that feel to it right now. But maybe the finger should be pointed at Holland and uh, his lack of touches and influence in the game. Uh, potentially, but I feel like that's how the, he's always kind of played. He doesn't he doesn't drop. He's not like Kane where he drops deep and fire and does a lot of interlinking passes and has a wide range of passing like Kane is superior mm. in that sort of way. But I mean, what Holland brings is is just pure goal scoring ability. So they knew what they were signing themselves up for when they signed him. Yeah, I saw like when in the derby, I, I saw him dropping deep, but like not not getting the ball. <laughs> you, yeah, you, I was kind of looking at him sometimes, and I was saying, "Hold on, which which end is the scoring end?" Because <laughs> uh, I was so surprised to see him. But um, ah, that that'll be a cracker of a fixture, and uh, Man United will surely beat Palace, who um, can't score a goal these days. Yeah, um, Palace are on a on a really poor. Uh, run of form. It's it's upsetting. Well, not upsetting. It's um it's sad because Palace are 
one of the bright sparks of last season and they've kind of carried that over a little bit but they just haven't been as successful they're really um missing sort of goals Zaha hasn't really been doing much lately and when you when you're other two forwards are Edward or Mateta. You haven't really got much going for you. Jordan Ayew as well included. Like Eze is kind of playing more in midfield now, and Elise is is decent, but um, you you feel like he needs to up his levels. So you know, unless they kind of strengthen in January, you do kind of worry for them a little bit. Yeah, even at their best last season, they were uh, a mid-table team, uh, but their form at the moment is 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 relegation form really. So uh, I, yeah, I, I don't um, I, I don't think they'll drop down that far, but uh, yeah, it's it's not good. No, it's not good. But like, if you consider the teams below them, like you've got Leicester, West Ham, and like Wolves, and like there's a lot of good teams below them as well. You know, Le- Wolves especially just went out and signed Matthias Cunha from Atletico Madrid. They just signed Sarabia uh, yesterday from PSG. I think they signed someone else who's uh, eluding me at the moment. So, like, they're making signings to improve the squad and get Lopetegui who he needs. So you feel they're going to improve. And Forrest are kind of uh, off the back of a couple of nice results. They obviously advanced in the AFL Cup and got a win at the weekend. So they need to do something to kind of, like, give themselves a shot in the arm. Were, were they were they fooling us last season with... with- the likes of Edward and Ayu and a few others playing well, like because you know you, no, you, I think, you look at the squad I, now I think, and there's not many there that you'd be depending out of. No, no, there's not. But I think what Ryan it kind of linked it all together was Conor Gallagher, and I think you can really yeah. tell that since he's left that they've been missing that. Like they are playing Eze in midfield now to try and do a similar type role, but he's just not the same. And they're kind of also playing Jeffrey Schlupp in the midfield when he was kind of like one stage for I think Leicester he was like a fullback and then he was like a winger and now he's kind of in midfield he's kind of just all over the place um kind of jack of all trades master of none type stuff so you just you just feel that they need they need something like and Vieira is a good coach so hopefully he can get them out of it um off the cuff to be asking but is is there any palace signings this January I think not uh, no news, uh, anything. The main thing is about trying to convince Wilfred Zaha to stay. And uh, if you end up in the championship next season, that's uh, that's that's pretty much not going to happen. So no, it, it, you feel like they'd almost need to do something, sign someone in order to, to try and convince Wilfred and kind of get two for the price of one, you know. But, uh, wait, uh, you know, it's still only, what is it, the 18th of January. There's still a bit of time in the window if they try and do something. Uh, hopefully now it'd be nice to see the plucky Crystal Palace that we had last season under a, a promising Vieira get back into form. Uh, two wins for Manchester, so is that's my prediction at least for today and tomorrow. Is that what you're thinking too, Steve? Yeah, I can't argue with you on that really. No. Game week 21, so uh, kicks off with uh, Liverpool hosting Chelsea. Uh, any other crackers of fixtures? I'm taking a look uh Newcastle will no. surely beat uh, Palace. Yeah, I'm, I'm still looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be looking a while. I mean, at Lir- Arsenal United is yeah, the main one. Half four on Sunday. Uh, uh, other than that, like you're 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 struggling to find anything. Like you got a a, a, a Brighton side on the on a roll <laughs> you, against you the sound like a, someone who pulls up to the the the, the Oak and McDonald's. Can I get a? 
<laughs> well, I was trying to find the right uh, the right verbiage uh, for it. So uh, on a roll against the poor Leicester side, you've got Newcastle away to a poor Villa side, City at home to Wolves in a fixture you'd you'd think for surely to God that they get a win, and then the rest of it's just kind of meh, really. Like you know. Fulham Spurs oh okay <laughs> fine Bournemouth Nottingham Forest no thanks I'm full like, what, that's it really what I am interested in, I was thinking about it today and I, was, and I was trying to decide in my head will the Liverpool Chelsea game be an absolutely fucking horrific affair and mm. a lot of things are pointing to yes and then usually I'd say actually these are teams that usually up their performance for good teams uh, can't say the same for Chelsea as they face Man City recently terribly badly and then I was like, ah, fuck, Liverpool are going to trash Chelsea now, aren't they? Despite all their shit form. Uh, it's it's interesting because it's almost like the game is interesting for the stuff that almost is going on around it. Like, you know, M- uh, Mikhail Mudrik, who Chelsea uh, nipped from Arsenal, will obviously be looking to make his debut in that game. You know, there's the Liverpool had an a, a, an okay win with their backups against Wolves in the cup, but I mean they're still probably pretty raw off that three 0 hide and they got off of Brighton. Mm. Uh, Van Dijk is still out for that game, I I think, and you know Darwin I think might potentially be out for that game as well. So it could be another game where Gakpo is up top with Salah and I think Oxley Chamberlain on the left. You know, so there's it's. Yeah, it's yeah. it's int- it could be interesting but i mean you know it, it feels like a, a massive game because whoever wins that is like you know got a real leg up in terms of the race for fourth but i only just spotted their own as well that that the game west ham everton is like a pretty big six pointer for the relegation teams uh absolutely uh, one last comment on the liverpool chelsea game is is it really is two like second or third string third string teams coming up against each other um yeah i i you know like uh i i was looking at the table there and shocked once again at just how bad west ham are getting on and i suppose it makes sense yeah. because i i don't know who scores goals for west ham i really don't know who, who does that Skamaka maybe a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> not 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 a few years ago. They only signed him in the summer. Uh, Antonio probably. Uh, <laughs> he scored uh, not last week, the week before. Mm. Um, but yeah, like they kind of have this thing with Skamaka and Antonio, where even if Skamaka is playing well, that he subbed off after the sixty and bring Antonio on because they can't really say that Antonio is just like not good enough or benched. So they kind of feel like they have to do this. They're they're desperately missing Jared Bowen's goals. Like he he was a massive player for them last season, especially in their push for Europe. And then he's just completely fallen off a cliff and kind of reverted back to the player he was before last season, which is a bit disappointing because I'm sure a lot of fantasy owners would have would have yes. been hoping that he could do something again. Yes, they um, would. Stephen. Says the man. We both have Jared Bowen, but I have I'm much less reliant on him than you are. Um. Yes, <laughs> I think I got in my picks <laughs> up late in the draft, but uh, what a fucking disappointment! He's he's returned I think yeah. in two game weeks this year. He, he's a, won a couple of penalties. I'm, I'm not a <laughs> fan also, of of the J Rod. No, no, the J the, the J Rod. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then like obviously like 
Everton just completely at a, a mess right now. Um, the owners can't even go to the game because of threats of violence against them. Um, supporters holding protests after the game uh, where they lost against Southampton. I think they were in the ground for like an hour after the game protesting before they eventually left. Uh, Yerry Mina getting out of his car to talk to fans and try and calm them down while they shout in his face. Uh, Anthony Gordon getting chased by Everton fans to a traffic light and then them singing at him that you're not fit to wear the shirt when he was an Ever- uh, uh, Everton fan from birth. So uh, just a yeah. lot going on out off the pitch as well. I, I was So I wasn't surprised by the Everton fan behavior that, that, that was expected. Uh, I also wasn't surprised that there's a lack of Lampard out rumors. Um, I, th- I think that's because we already had them last season. But what I was surprised to hear, <laughs> Old news. what I was surprised to hear, is Anthony Gordon is bad now. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's kind of not. He kind of fell off form a little bit, and then he's been on the bench for Lampard for a long time now. Ooh. So he kind of just usually comes on as a sub. But I mean, when he came on as a sub in this game, he gave he gave away the free kick that James Ward Prowse scored to score to win them the game, and oh, it's just. <laughs> So James Ward-Prowse, I think, is only two now behind Beckham for free kicks in the league. And, like, against any other side, you might give him a bit of a pass here. But when you're playing Southampton, James Ward-Prowse has already scored. Uh, you're not going to do it again. <laughs> like, just don't foul him there. Just don't fa- I don't know. Did you see Pickford's anyway, look, reaction to the, to the free being given? Bad teams will do bad things. Yeah. And... Speaking of bad things, there's there's some questions here that we want to try and answer to help people get better teams. Yeah, what, one other good thing that happened is, is Chelsea didn't buy Anthony Gordon in the end for fifty million. Moving along God, swiftly. That'd be mad. <laughs> um, okay, we have a number of questions here in our question time section on the Google Doc. Do you double or triple up on the Newcastle defense? So, I'm going to answer this one first, Steve, and I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I, I think you're better off having a Newcastle outfield player. Uh, I think I think you, you everyone has Pope and Trips, so you just have them uh, and try to get more than what another defender would get elsewhere. Tripling up sounds a bit feckin' dodgy to me. I'd be going for Wilson, Isaac, or Almiron. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. It was just I was, I was scrolling Twitter the other day and I saw a guy who had um, Pope, Trippier, and another Newcastle defender, and like... Dan Byrne, I think. So, like, what's that like? Nine, eighteen, twenty, like twenty something points from the defenders, and I was thinking, like, geez, I wonder is it is this like a thing he does every week, or he just did it for this week because they were playing Fulham? Very nearly backfired because Mitrovic had that penalty that he kicked off his standing foot and gave away a free kick. Um, but that's the way the game goes. No, I think you're right. Two defenders, and then I'd be more fond of either Callum Wilson or Isaac than Almiron. I feel like Almiron's kind of reverted back a little bit. To the Almiron of old. Yeah, yeah. Pro- probably Wilson at the moment. I mean, uh, Isaac is good, but um, if you're taking him now, you're kind of being a first mover, which I don't think you ever really need to be in FPL. So um, just wait that, wait that one out and see. And yeah, pick up Callum Wilson, I suppose, is the answer. Uh, which Brighton assets are we going to go ahead and pick up? Uh, March and Matoma had crackers of games last week. Uh, you've also got... Gross hanging around, probably not going to go for him. Certainly not picking up Welbeck. So, I think Steve, you, you've highlighted March and Matoma here. They're probably the two yeah. best options. Uh, They're the two best options because and Matoma, I feel 
Um, especially because he's just been like a real bright spark in that team. Like he's been the one that's really been taking on defenders one on one. He loves to dribble. Apparently, he wrote a, apparently in univer- university he wrote a thesis on dribbling. So Jesus. that just tells you. I'm not joking you, yeah. <laughs> so that tells you a lot about uh, what he th- what he likes to do. And he just absolutely tore Trent apart and that Liverpool defence. And uh, coming up against a poor Leicester side this weekend, you'd fancy him to do something similar. So it'll be interesting to see. Another one who might be of interest, uh, but I doubt anyone's going to go for, is Evan Ferguson, who is kind of having a sneaky breakout season. Like, I think he has, like, four goals and four, and four assists in, like, se- ten senior appearances for Brighton so far. And he had a really nice assist again for March uh, for the second goal in the game against Liverpool. Kind of takes it down well, controls it, and then plays a a, a, a nice cut cut pass, um, taking out uh, most of the defenders into March, who then finishes really nice. So he, he's, he's doing uh, a lot of good things. And yeah, it'll be that, interesting to see how he gets on. That was a great bit of football to see because, you know, you hear of an Irish striker doing well for mid-table Premier League team and you probably presume it's some dude getting in, getting headers and, and finishing off a few chances as a bit of a poacher. But but you saw the pieces of skill he was producing against Liverpool there calmly and, yeah. and consistently and you said, oh, this is something else. But he does he does do that other stuff. Like, he was winning knockdowns and headers and kind of linking up play. He's a big like, boy. And he's a... And he's a big lad as well, yeah, Betty's Town. So uh, hopefully now he gets capped quick because <laughs> I think his mother is English. <laughs> so get, get 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 him on the plane. Get that sorted, uh, get that sorted fairly yeah. quickly. Uh, I yeah. don't know that anyone... I mean, like, he's 4.5, like, so what striker is better than him at 4.5 in the game right now? No one. Uh, I don't agree that there'll be anyone better. So I think as a cheap pick, brilliant. In a draft pick, probably be going for someone else. Um, and then I think I think I'd be picking March over Matoma, Steve. Um, Matoma is a brilliant watch, but probably not just quite enough end product for me. Uh, I can understand that. Although if you do go and look at the consistency between them, you do see that um, Matoma has. Give me one second here. He's three and three. Matoma ha- <clears throat> well, he has. Uh, he had uh, an, a goal in the against Everton. He had a goal against Arsenal. Uh, he then had a goal against Wolves, and then he had assist against Chelsea. So he's pretty okay. Like, and then you have obviously Solly March, who had uh, two against Liverpool, uh, one against Everton, one against Southampton, and then. Yeah, like he had an assist against City then in game week 13. So, like, I think there's it's hard to pick between the two of them. I don't really feel like you can go too wrong with either. No, and and price points are about the same. But, yeah, Matoma's 5, March is 5.1. It's probably a personal interest thing. I think if you like to watch Matoma and you're actually watching the games, then go for him. Um, That's probably a personal preference one. Uh, and the last question is if you're putting these Brighton boys in who are you taking out for so for me for example I'm taking out Almiron or maybe I'm getting a fifth midfielder although I'll certainly be dropping yeah. Kulazewski in the near future um, yeah I mean like so it's it's kind of one of the other next questions actually is about Arsenal midfielders well, yeah maybe I'll just segue into what's the template midfield right now should it be two arsenal guys de bruyne and something else 
What, what, I feel what? like it's I think feel like it's Saka, Rashford, De Bruyne, and then either Odegaard or Martinelli. I feel like is the template. And then we're saying pick one of these Brighton boys as your backup if you have the cash. If you have the cash, yeah. Like I mean, I have an I have I have Andreas Pereira, and for cash reasons, I can't really uh, upgrade um, to either of those guys. But I feel like Pereira again has like a decent week in him every now and then, so I don't feel too bad about that. But if I could, if I could have got one of those lads, I definitely would. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think they're certainly a big upgrade on Andreas. So okay, nice, nice to have a a view on the midfield template at the moment. Uh, Man United defenders, do they have a good run? I suppose is the first question. Yeah, I think they do. Like, let me just pull up their run here. So they obviously play Arsenal at the weekend, and then they have Palace, Leeds, Leicester, Brentford, Liverpool, Southampton, Brighton, Newcastle. So like, that's their next like whatever eight fixtures. So. You know, they have, there's a there's a bit of green in the next. There's three greens in our next four weeks, so um, you would fancy them. And the one fixture that isn't green is Leicester at home, which Leicester obviously playing very poorly and aren't able to score goals. So you nearly make that a green as well. So for like you know, very nice fixtures coming up. Leicester are probably their reputation precedes them right now. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a simple answer of yes. I think when you look on their form and the games they have coming up, um, who do you get though? Do you just get Varane for the ease of it? Uh, I personally, uh, have I mean, Dallo is who's a little bit of a worry. Yeah. So the thing is, right now, is that with Lissandra Martinez due to come back in, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a toss up as to what happens. So for the last few games, Shaw has been playing left side centre back, and Malassia is playing left back. But I do fancy that when Martinez inevitably comes back in, that Shaw pushes back out to left back, and Malassia drops to the bench. Like it says, it says a lot that they haven't been playing Maguire in any of these games, and they've been playing Shaw left left centre back. I think that just tells you that they're pretty much done with him and want him out of the club. Um, so for is, fantasy, is, I would go ahead. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, I kind of forgot about Dallow for a second. I was thinking, is Juan Bissaka the obvious answer here? But no, no, Dallow. Yeah. Dallow, when he's back fit, is the obvious answer. I think he's four point seven. Varane's four point eight. But then after that, then I think Shaw's like five. Uh, Lissandra Martinez, I'm not a hundred percent sure on. I think at it's, the moment. I think it's Varane. I think Varane is the the safest of the these. He he is the safest of them all. Yeah. Uh, you'd but when when Dallow is back fit, Dallow is definitely starting on the right. So you'd nearly say then for the sake you could nearly switch to him, and uh, probably free up maybe like point one or point two depending on the price difference at the time. Yeah 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 can't argue with that. Um, get snap him up, snap him right up. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne then midfield. A uh, bit of a headache for fantasy owners. Uh, still costing is is that twelve point five? He's costing now, or is it twelve point three? Twelve point three, I think. Uh, yeah. Twelve point five is actually he's come down from twelve point six three weeks ago. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, do you twist and some city have a very easy run coming up? They've the second best run over the next five games. Is at least the thing that well, I looked up. They have Wolves at home, then away to Spurs. So they play Spurs at home, Wolves at home, then Spurs away, then Villa at home, then Arsenal away. And then, yeah, it, it gets easier after that. So, you know, they got Spurs twice in three game weeks and then Arsenal uh, two weeks after that. So not exactly the easiest, 
but you know, uh, like for City, like you would definitely be expecting them to get wins in in those games, and I feel like if they're gonna do it, it's probably gonna be with De Bruyne doing something incredible and linking up with Haaland again, like they were before the before the break. But um, I, I I'll be sticking with them, but I can certainly understand why people feel like uh, for the money that he's costing them, they can afford to upgrade in other positions and make up the points that way. Yeah, what I will say, Steve, is if you had the money, like let's say you you downgrade De Bruyne to an eight million midfielder, nine million midfielder, yeah. and I don't know who you'd even be buying because all the midfielders are cheap right now in that template midfield we spoke about. Because you're not going to buy Salah. You're not buying anyone at Chelsea. You're probably not buying Spurs. The thing is, if you twist from Kev, what are you doing? Uh, is what I'm asking. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like The obvious answer would have been to go from Kevin to Phil Foden. But if Phil Foden at the moment isn't even guaranteed to really start. He's pulled off before the 60th. Uh, in their last two games um, against United and Chelsea. He looks like a bit of a rat too. I don't like Foden. (laughs) I don't know. Well, maybe he needs to change up the hairstyle a little bit. I don't know. But um, you make a good point, Don, of that the highest scoring midfielders in FPL right now are um, 6.8, 5.9, 8.1 is Saka, Martinelli 6.8. Salah is surprisingly at 100 points, even though I couldn't tell you the last time he scored. Uh, week 17 he scored and got an assist Um, so and then like your Rodrigo Pascal Gross March Trossard Foden so yeah like if you downgrade to De Bruyne you can really like afford to probably dip into um, the defence and maybe even the forwards do you go like I have Haaland Kane and Mitrovic and I'm fairly happy with that like if you're looking at the forwards then are you thinking possibly Someone like I don't know, like I, uh, Ivan Tony is seven point five. Uh, is he someone you could potentially upgrade to in the forwards? And then if you're to look for your defense, do you <clears throat> if you don't have Pope, do you potentially upgrade to Pope and have Pope and Trippier if you don't already? And uh, there's a, there's a lot of different ways you can go with it. Uh, what I will say is the teams with Kev already have a lot of those players, um, but yeah. I'd, I, I, I'm actually, I think on this question, I'm going to say stick. I'm going to say don't twist just yet. Because I don't know how much you're actually going to be improving your team. Is is kind of my take on that. Yeah. Um, next up, Mudrick. He's already moved to Chelsea for uh, the humble fee of 70 million. Uh, he's going to cost 7 million 88. in the game. 88.5. Is it? I read it as 70. 88.5 million pounds and I think 100 million euro. Oh, well, then I totally misread that one. Um, but yeah, he's going to cost seven in the game, uh, left winger. I do think he'll be dropped in immediately. Uh, just because. So of do I. With Chelsea's injury and, crisis, and I think worries. he will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, w- I won't be picking him up for the first week. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. <laughs> No, uh, uh, Liverpool away wouldn't be a great first fixture to have him in for, but you just never know with Liverpool at the moment. Like, you know, Trossard scored a hat-trick against them in the, earlier on in the season, so it's just a bit mad. Yeah, I was just curious about this because Chelsea are obviously um, just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Like, they obviously started Joe Felix after signing him uh, like two days before the fixture and he got himself sent off. 
and they're going to probably play Mudrick and, I don't know, some combination of, like, uh, Havertz and Mount and someone else. And I have no idea what it's going to look like. I don't think Graham Potter even knows what it's going to look like. I think he even came out with a comment after they signed Mudrick that they can't just solve this problem by throwing money at it, which was which was kind of interesting because I would have thought that he would have had a big say in the transfers going on, but obviously not so much. Um, like, there feels like they're giving him no places to hide by throwing money at players, getting the players in, even if they're not the players that he wants. And then he ends up getting the sack and they say, well, we gave you players. And then he said, you know, so... I don't know. It, it, the Chelsea situation is mad. I, I, the uh, the seven and a half year, eight year contracts are insane to me. I, I don't know. I, I can't remember any player signing a contract that big in recent years. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd like to read a bit more into it. You know, usually those are like four with a three optional three or something like that. So I wouldn't mind getting a look at that. Um, yeah, let's puts a lot of pressure on Potter, but uh, they just have As to. If he needed any more, really, r- like. Ride it. He just needs to fucking ride it out. Um, yeah. See how it goes. Um, but yeah, to answer the question on the minutes, I, I I, won't be a first mover on it. I expect if he plays anyways decent that he's just going to play all the time. Because that goes the same for every Chelsea player right now. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, just wait on the first game, first two games, see how he gets on. You never know. If he scores a goal in the first game, he's guaranteed to be starting the next one. So... It'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, yeah. Next question's on Arsenal midfielders. Uh, I think, basically, you have Odegaard, Martinelli, and Saka. Just have at least two. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, yeah I think it is. Um, at the moment, I have Martinelli and Saka. So, and I could potentially try and go to Odegaard if I wanted to, but I just feel like I, I, just, I just don't want... I, yeah, I can't justify it to myself. Um, yeah, so ha- Odegaard, I'd have to get. He he is in that touch bit better form than Martinelli. He is, but the price is also different. I think Odegaard now is like six point eight, and Martinelli's like six point four. And like, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I kind of uh, Odegaard is on a great run of form at the moment. But I feel like he. It's interesting to see the the evolution in his game because he never used to shoot this much. And now that he's shooting, it's interesting to see how much he might keep it up for because he really does like link up the play really well and is usually the one providing the assists. Um, I do feel like Martinelli will kind of bounce back and eventually kind of get on the goals again or the assists. Um, so that's kind of why I'm so sticking with the two Steve boys. what you're saying, is potentially if Odegaard is scoring goals, Martinelli won't. Uh, potentially, yeah, but it's 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 hard to say. Like it's hypothetical. I, I, you know, I could be proven right. I could be proven wrong. I just feel like the way that the team is playing at the moment, it's probably a bit more focused down the right where Saka is, and then Odegaard and Saka really love to occupy that space and interlink with each other really well. So Martinelli probably doesn't see as much of the ball. Whereas earlier on in the season, we were seeing Granit Xhaka get much further forward and usually on the left where Martinelli would be, and then they they would interlink. So. It's just interesting to see how this will progress as the the next few games go on. But um, no, I I certainly have faith in Martinelli, so I would be sticking with him. And I already have Ben White, so those are my three Arsenal players. I also have Ben White on my side. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I I, I may end up 
making an Arsenal change myself. Um, so, yeah, it, it goes back to, you know, when, when we discuss the template, we talk about two Arsenal plus Man United, or plus Rashford, sorry. So just uh, keep on top of those boys. Um, final question is about the wild card, Steve. Are you thinking of wild carding? I'm not just yet. I'm trying to get no. a, get, a, get eyes on these double and blank game weeks. No, I, I'm not because I'm fairly happy with my team, to be honest. Like, I feel like any changes I need to make, I'm well within control of doing. Like, uh, I have the, I think I have two transfers at the moment built up and I don't really feel like making any changes to my team for the next game week. So I might have three. Um, it was just a question that I saw people contemplating online and I thought it might be of interest to discuss. Like, when when would people or when would you own uh, consider wildcarding if you were to? Yeah, uh, like, do you, do you look at the end of the season and work back? Um, it's 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 not something I've thought about at all, and 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 it's probably something you'll be looking at double you, game weeks and by by game weeks. I think it's something. I think it's something that you look at. Uh, the club, the deeper into the Champions League you get, because I feel like if, say, for example, in a hypothetical, Man City kind of do kind of continue this drift and stay kind of around eight to ten points off of arsenal but find themselves kind of making a bit of a run in the champions league i could absolutely see pep prioritizing the champions league over let's say the league and then you end up with your um city assets not playing as much and then you have to consider what you do with them and things like that like that's kind of where i'm thinking of where the wild card comes in yeah other things like you you get teams that uh that uh, check out, you know, mid-table teams have nothing to play for. Better off with a few relegation fighters and uh, guys t- uh, battling out for top four. So the likes of uh, perhaps Palace and others might not be totally clued in at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, <clears> so, like, we're at the halfway point there. of the league now. We're at the halfway point of the league now, so I feel like three-quarters of the way in, maybe, or, or three-fifths uh is where you're kind of thinking like well who's looking good who's looking bad who's got something to play for who's got nothing left things like that yeah 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 and those champions league teams as well uh that's gonna be all the questions we have about game week 21 we'll quickly move on now to our bankers and outside pick formerly spicy boy named section and number (laughs) one as always is going to be erling holland but i think um I think he'll be under a bit more scrutiny this week, Steve. It'll depend on how they do against uh, Spurs uh, uh, tomorrow night. But yeah, like it feels he hasn't scored in a couple of game weeks and people are starting to get a bit uh, twitchy, I'd say, with the, the old trigger finger. But I still think he'll be class. But um, yeah, they'll be playing Wolves at home. So that'll be a nice fixture for them. Certainly, you'd think that they'll they'll, they'll get something past Wolves who, who you know, fail to produce across the board. Yusaka in here as number two. Arsenal are facing Man United. Uh, so that's a I don't know. I just one. I just I just kind of that, that's a bit more of a a gut feeling. Like I just feel like Saka's going to do something in that game. So that's kind of why I have him in there. He's like the short uh, karate fighter in The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, you just know he's going to do something good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't argue with it. I mean, you, you you know, when you look around the league, like you, you're not going to bet anything on that Liverpool Chelsea game. You haven't a fucking notion. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't back the worst team to score against Arsenal, even though I like Rashford at the moment. 
And then the Man City midfielders are just a bit odd. I mean, like, I'd be thinking Kevil will come back to form, but who am I to try and predict that? I do like your third pick. I think that's a very good one. Yeah, Newcastle defence uh, away to Palace. Uh, Palace or Selhurst Park is usually, like, a bit of a fortress, but usually on night games, which is a bit of a an odd one. That you, you, Selhurst Park at night is usually a very tough place to play, but obviously this is, and this is being played at half five, so it's kind of maybe going to get a bit of that vibe. But uh, the Newcastle defense has just gone so well at the moment; uh, it's very settled back four, and they're playing really well. And Palace aren't really looking like scoring many goals, so that's why I think like, and it's the first time I think we've gone for like a defender or a defense in general. Usually we only pick attackers, so I wanted to try and mix it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's reasonable, and I think, well, also the fact that like there's no one else to pick. Around, around <laughs> that the that league, did so. that did like, that did factor into the thinking of it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't argue with that. After watching Matoma's performance against Liverpool in, in that 3-0 win, he is going to be my outside pick this week. They'll face Leicester, Bastard. who are one of those shitty teams down the, the bottom half of the table. Uh, I'd be probably picking him against the majority of teams in the league right now. Um, I think people will start snapping him or March up in the coming weeks. So he's going to be my, be my outside pick this time. Yeah, I've gone for probably a little bit more of a Damari Gray type. I've gone for Ollie Watkins uh, away to Southampton. I just feel like... I know Southampton have had a nice couple of results. They had a win against City in the Cup, and then they had the win against Everton. But, I mean, you were dependent on two... I think, was it two James Ward-Prowse free kicks? At least one of them was, anyway. And Villa aren't playing that bad. Like, they had a, a, a decent win over Leeds, I think, uh, last week. So... um. They're doing okay under Unai Emery, who kind of that kind of feels like a nice kind of level for him. So Watkins usually does start, and uh, he usually does link up with the play and and is very like involved. So even if he's not getting on the score sheet, he probably might get an assist. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is that fitness monster, isn't he? In in that side, that he'll be he'll be all over the place, whether it's good or bad, he'll be all over the place anyway. <laughs> so I think I think that's going to sum it up this time, Steve. I, I think. Um, We've we've addressed all the issues from game week twenty. We've we've spoken about how poorly we're doing in fantasy football, and we've given Speak for yourself. <laughs> we've given advice on how to play that poorly next week if if that's what you're into. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> any final just thoughts? just ignore it. Just do everything we did, and you'll probably be probably be playing worse. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I presume that's why people listen, um, isn't it? Surely, not 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 for for the witty remarks or the. Uh, likable characters. <laughs> you think I'm likable? Likable character. <laughs> uh, episode 18 of the FPL Jingle is drawing to a close. If you want to get in touch with us, the podcasters, you can do that on Discord. We have that in our phones. That's the easiest spot. It's linked in the podcast description. You can get us on Twitter at the FPL Jingle, the website, fpljingle.com. Goodbye for now, and goodbye from Steve. Goodbye and good luck, everyone.